Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, January 10th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again uh, on the podcast, on the YouTube channel as well. We encourage folks to uh, check out the YouTube channel um, if you haven't already, if that's not in your repertoire. We're going to be doing more and more here, especially when it comes to looking at these Triple Crown uh, prep races, as it were. I'm joined today, as I was last week, as I am so often by In The Money Media Zone, Nick Tamaro. Nick, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Ready for another uh, week to end. I guess it did, so better to have been ready and ready for another to get started. Always fun looking back. It's an interesting time of year. You know, we're starting to see not just these – prep races, not just these points races, some of which we're going to be talking about, but also some interesting maidens and allowances. We'll be talking about one of those a little bit later in the show, starting to look ahead to the Pegasus at the end of the month. I booked my trip. Have you been to the Pegasus Live? It's one of the big race days, largely because of the NHC. I've never been to, but I'm looking forward to making my maiden voyage. I was at the uh, 2019 Pegasus, the City of Light, uh, City of Light Pegasus. I finished ninth in the Pegasus world championship betting challenge that year and yeah it was fun the weather was terrible but uh we we ate good and had a lot of fun that's right i remember that year i was actually i covered that from the sky studios in london that was my excuse for missing that one but no excuses this year looking forward to getting there we'll talk a little bit about Gulfstream racing and we'll reflect on the uh the coast to coast bets as well later on but as promised let's talk about some derby preps and let's start in new york with a race that admittedly hasn't had uh that much impact on uh, the the triple crown races in the last several years but the jerome stakes going a mile at aqueduct one as you predicted in your column on in the money podcast.com by lugan knight who earns a figure of 85 what were your thoughts on this performance I'll tell you, I thought he was really game. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I kind of, afterwards, I kind of mocked Jose Lascano a little bit. And I put full disclosure, I'm a big Jose Lascano fan. But this is the second straight race on Arctic Arrogance. He took a big peek back at the quarter pole and then found a way to lose. So I don't know if maybe he is overrating Arctic Arrogance. I wonder maybe if Arctic Arrogance is a little distance limited. I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that he just got beat by a slightly better horse in each of his last two starts. And, you know, I don't know, Pete, I thought around the far turn that, that Arctic Arrogance was going to take Luke at night whenever he wanted. And the fact that he just kept on finding, I thought was awfully compelling. You know, he's obviously has to take a step forward in order to be a, a major Derby trail contender, but there's no doubt he's got some talent. And I guess the biggest takeaway victory formation is pretty darn good because he beat this horse somewhat easily at Churchill last time. Yes, that's right. Victory Formation, uh, who, who is on most everybody's derby list at this point. Definitely a form boost there. Let's start with Lugan Knight. He earns the 85, wire-to-wire fashion. I agree. Looked uh, dead to rights, turning for home. I screwed this one up at the betting. Like you, this was the horse that I liked on paper. And it was one of those things where a combination of hearing the Mike McCarthy quotes, doubting how far he wanted to go, hearing Maggie Wolfendale say similar in the paddock, and just my own visual impression, Lugan Knight looked kind of slight and sprinty looking. I mean, this is a horse who, if he's really better going shorter, I mean, he might eventually be really, really good. It seems like a horse that has some scope to like grow a bit. Um, given how early we are in the three-year-old year. So I guess my fear about him going forward is still unclear how far he wants to go. But, you know, people get this stuff wrong all the time, including uh, trainers and owners. So we'll, we'll see about that. 
Arctic Arrogance, I feel like, I don't think it was the distance. I mean, it acted okay going farther before. Right. I don't know if this isn't a case of maybe you were right about the ride. This might be the old JK thing about a horse that's actually better, maybe trying to be a little more aggressive, go a little bit faster. And or, and I did hear Linda Rice mention this possibility in a post-race interview, one that maybe needs blinkers, maybe just a horse that at this point has a little bit of that pack animal mentality, gets there, feels like he's done enough. I don't know, some combination of a more aggressive ride and blinkers. I wouldn't be giving up on, on uh, Arctic Arrogance uh, just yet. I think this is a, a talented horse who can be, you know, heard from in his division at least. Yeah, too talented a horse to give up on just yet. Showed too much as a two-year-old, quite honestly. And then validated it in his first start at three. So I, I like the blinker idea. You know, you feel like a horse that he did go down kind of with just a whimper. Because once Lugan Knight really asserted his superiority, he didn't fight back all that much. Yeah, he might be a horse that needs to be kept to his task a little bit more uh, clearly. And, um, and that could be really achieved with the addition of Blinker. So no doubt about it. You know, in a way, they're kind of playing with house money with Arctic Arrogance because there's so much money out there for New York breads that, you know, if he's good enough to be on the Derby Trail, which at least at this point, there's no denying that he is. Um, there's still some great objectives for him down the line. He's a horse who should have a really good 23. Yeah, I think that sounds like the correct assessment of uh, of those runners. And with Lugan Knight, we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do. It sounded like they were gonna they were gonna stay local and maybe look to uh, to, to to stay at the one turn. Well, there's style. Uh, yeah. no, I think, yeah, I I I is there is there a spot in between that's going shorter? Because it's not. I do not think they want to go the mile and eighth of the Withers. Um, but but I thought there was a target between now and the Gotham, but I'm spacing. Might be New York Reds. I'll dig and see what I can find from the from those post race interviews. I, the, the the info is out there on that one. In the meantime, let's head west and talk about uh, talk about the sham from Saturday, which was won by not the other Baffert, but the other other Baffert. Baffert has three in the field of five, and it's reincarnate a horse who, from the way he's been campaigned, from the way he's been talked about, is a horse that was supposed to need more than a mile to show his best. This buyer figure came back fast, Nick, 95, um, and he, he earned it. This was not a what looked like a, a speed-favoring flow and, and turned away two of his more fancied stablemates. How good do you think Reincarnate is? How surprised were you by this result? Um, I was a little surprised. I think he might be relatively solid you know there have been times on the derby trail in recent years where Baffert horses stepped up with big efforts especially ones that you know are kind of coming into their own a little bit more slowly it's kind of funny I mean it makes me think of collected when I look at at his pps and I think boy how the heck did Bob Baffert run an eventual graded stake winning dirt horse on the turf not once but twice and it just doesn't happen very often and I wonder if maybe you know, part of the goal here, and, and I touched on this actually in my uh, in my preview with Scott Shapiro for Twin Spires, that you had a couple of Bafferts in here that looked like they might be need the lead types. And New Great, or, uh, Newgate was one of them, National Treasure to an extent as well. And, you know, maybe, maybe the experiment sort of went right but wrong, right, in the sense that we found out that Reincarnate is good enough to win a race like this. And we also found out the National Treasure – a new gate can't really rate. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting quandary from a handicapping perspective, especially because as you said, I mean, he got a very good buyer speed figure and really doesn't have to, to do much more than that 
to be considered a, a pretty solid horse on the trail. I'll tell you, I started to try and research a little bit more about him after he won, get a better sense of what he might be. They paid 775000 for this horse. His pedigree absolutely stinks. I mean, the damn side is brutal. It's just it's one slow horse after another. So he is obviously a very, very good-looking horse. And, um, and, I mean, I know that, that you know, as, a, as I've heard uh, certain people say, you can't put a saddle on a pedigree. And so, obviously, the people who saw the physicality thought a lot of him. And, and you know, this group's been incredibly successful with the three-year-olds. So hats off to him for buying into a good magic that, that obviously has a lot of ability. So, you know, the concern I have, Pete, without filibustering you too much is that a lot of these types of horses are a race-to-race proposition. And, you know, Baffert has so many good three-year-olds that we might see somebody else jump up in the, uh, in the San Felipe. We might see somebody else in the Bob Lewis. We could see somebody different yet again in the Santa Anita Derby. So, you know, I know that we're going to see Faustin again pretty soon. We're going to see Arabian Night at some point. It's, it's an embarrassment of riches, as you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, when you saw the probables for this race, it wasn't just three Bafferts originally listed. They, they were like... Eight. It was like 47. <laughs> so we'll see where everybody else goes. few thoughts to piggyback. One positive, one negative. I'll speak out of both sides of my mouth. We'll start on the positive side. I see the Baffert debuting a mile in the summer, and I think it's one of his slower horses who he thinks is more of a stayer. And his quotes back that up. He said something to the effect of, that he pegged reincarnate as his Belmont horse from a long way back and was surprised he was fast enough to do that. With that in mind, this is a horse with scope for improvement. Here's the bad thing. I know the figure came back in 95, which certainly would stamp him as a serious contender, but I don't know, in the history of your life, when you have a five-horse race and there's three on the wire, is that good form or bad form? It's not encouraging, right? It's better that it came back fast, right? It's one yeah. thing if it had been that way and it was 78, yeah, I don't think we'd be done. I think we'd be done already. But yeah, it's a concern, right? It's a concern. And, and you're also, you know, even though he's been to the post now uh, four times, five times, you're dealing with a horse that all things considered, I mean, he doesn't really have very much exposed form. So it's only his third dirt start. So he's still got a little room to move forward. National Treasure hasn't been around all that long either. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to see these horses get better or worse very quickly. And um, at least it's not, it doesn't seem to me at this point, like a scenario where we saw Messier in last year, where he ran off the screen in the Bob Lewis, and we subsequently realized that that was a huge gold rail. So it does, it didn't look that way. It didn't feel that way on Sunday at Santa Anita. But again, I mean, you're going to look for every reason to poke holes and reincarnate between now and his next start. Yeah, I think that's about right. We'll see how it all turns out following that out there. There was a three-year-old Philly action in the Santa Inez. I'll just very quickly touch on it. That was a race that changed when uh, Justique came out. Ice dancing for Mandela gets the job done. But I mean, these are figures that wouldn't win a maiden two-year-old race at Saratoga. You know, we've seen this with the three-year-old fillies out of California the last few years. Some of them have run well on the national stage as the year's gone on. But you know, the 74 figure certainly doesn't scream uh, Kentucky Oaks to anybody. Did you see anything in there? Any horses you were interested in in betting next time or, or anything to, to piggyback off that thought on ice dancing? No, nothing really to add. I, I am I'm of the opinion that the Justique figure from the Desi Arnaz is also too high. And uh, that parody of Hunting Coco backed that up. So um, I, I thought she was – I'm looking to bet against Justique at any opportunity – moving forward just because she's all sizzle and no steak at this point right i mean she's all hype and, and we need to see that backed up pretty quickly especially around two turns you know if there was going to be a race where she was going to be dangerous this was it 
And I mean, unfortunately, she had a fever. So hopefully we'll see her back pretty quickly in the uh, the next step uh, along the Kentucky Oaks Trail out west. But as you said, I mean, these horses have a bad case in the slows right now. I mean, they are not they are not improving. And um, and you'd like to see a horse get you know, a little bit better than a, a mid-70s fig first out as a three-year-old. Yeah, we'll see what happens as that division continues to truck on out there. You know, one could step up at any time, I suppose. You were right, by the way, about the target for Lugan Knight. It sounded like wait for the Gotham was going to be the plan there, at least according to the Blood Horse article that I pulled. Um, we'll, we'll see what they what they decide to do. I mean, another impressive win. I mean, you almost have to think about I mean, you got you got to go long in the wood at that point and at least try to see what you have. So we'll, we'll, but I, but I, you know, I admire um, the approach they're taking and they, they don't want to overmatch their horse. And, and maybe they think, you know, that little more time between the starts too will, will give some room to, to mature physically. And maybe this is a horse that in time will be able to go a bit farther. I mean, on pedigree, it's not, it's not crazy that he could, uh, that he could go a little bit longer and, and certainly has been a very game performer. Let's talk about one more, three-year-old race before we head out into the wider world of racing there was this very interesting three-year-old allowance race on sunday that was part of the uh it was part of the, the cross-country bet and i thought that rudder's men was was ready for the for the close-up that's not the way that one turned out in the end it was cyclone mischief a horse who dale romans had spoken positively about when we had him on the show last year this horse beat a good field by five and three quarters, just absolutely uh, put the wood to litigate and the rest. And it came back a 90. So no, you know, no joke here going a mile for, for Cyclone Mischief. Did you see this coming at all? The horse was uh, five and a half to one. So, so, you know, not, not exactly at the top of the market, but uh, hardly a rank outsider either. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I expect him to run well. Um, I thought his maiden win was really good. And, and I think there was a lot of deserved fanfare for him. After his maiden win, um, he was he handled that field very, very nicely. And so you knew there was upside. You know, you knew there was going to be reason to believe that he could be a competent three-year-old uh, pretty much wherever he landed. You know, Rudder's men and Litigate were both worthy of a lot of support here. Mr. Ripple also got a lot of money for Sappy Joseph. And, um, and so, you, you know, you anticipated it being kind of a showdown amongst those horses. But uh, Rudder's men obviously has distance limitations. He also is totally ranked. And, and unable to uh, to really rate whatsoever. Um, Mr. Ripple, though, was pretty darn close to him early, and he beat him by almost seven lengths. So I, I, don't, I, I don't think we got the – we didn't get the Rudder's men that we saw in debut at Aqueduct, but, you know, that's neither here nor there because Cyclone Mischief was very good. He rated very comfortably behind horses, came through and went on with it. Uh, Dale was effusive in his praise of the horse afterwards and thinks that he's one of his better three-year-olds, if not – that he's had in a while – and, and I think there's some truth to that. Well, he's an into mischief, so they can seemingly do anything, including uh, leap tall buildings in a single bound. So I'm, I'm expecting Cyclone Mischief to be, you know, to be heard from in his next start. And he was a yet another uh, Kentucky Jockey Club alum that came back and at the very least dupl- you know, duplicated their Kentucky Jockey Club form, if not improved it. If you're a Time Form US user, you're going to see a really substantial improvement from Cyclone Mischief. But we also saw improvements, a little bit more fractional from Dennington and Hay Strike. So, you know, good reason to think that that was one of the one of the better two-year-old races run towards the end of last year. And I'm eagerly awaiting Instant Coffee's first start as a three-year-old. I'm looking forward to it. I guess it's going to be the Risen Star is what I, I understand right now. Brad Cox is a guy with an embarrassment of riches in that division as well. So, yeah, things are coming into focus a little bit more with some of these horses. And 
I like seeing 90 figs in January. That's always good. That that leads you to believe that this is a, a pretty quick group of horses and that they'll probably get better as time goes by. I think that all sounds right. And Cyclone Mischief, just, you know, selfishly, as somebody who's had him on the show and, and just covers racing, always good to have Dale Romans on the oh, yeah. Derby Trail. The quotes, uh, the quotes will keep on, the quotes will keep on coming. You know, you know, you know that. And that's a fun one to follow. I would also keep an eye on Litigate, just, you know, pedigree terms. I mean, obviously has a lot to do to reverse the five lengths with the winner in this race, but you look at this pedigree blame out of a mine shaft dam. This was only the second career start. Um, this horse is okay. And, and I think has a chance to just keep improving as the distances get longer, obviously needs to get faster, but with only two starts under the girth, why, why can't that happen? Well, I agree. Um, I, I think he definitely has every right to move forward. And for that matter, I wouldn't give up on Mr. Ripple. You know, this is a horse who got a 75 kick first time out, beat an out winner. Came back and got an 80, much closer to a very, very hot pace. He's a dialed in who went for 115,000. So there was reason to believe that that he could run a little bit. So yeah, I think that I think that at least uh, two of the also rans in there are horses worthy of consideration. So I, I think this is going to end up being a pretty nice one, other than that that yields some good subsequent graded stake performances. You mentioned that Kentucky Jockey Club before, not the first year in a row that that's looked like a key piece of two-year-old form. Not sure. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's some obvious reasons. There's so much money to be run for for the Kentucky breads there. The way horses are trained now, it's like at the right time of year, I think, for some of those big leaps up. But yeah, that's a race that it's probably a good one to go back and have the one's trip notes all brushed up for because yeah. it feels like it could continue to be a key piece of form going forward. That was an underrated cross promotion of you with the KTDF as well. That was, <laughs> that was really stout. We don't very have another row yet for this year, but we're hoping. Very smooth. Hey, look, if that's if that's the lead in, that's a great start. No, all kidding aside, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's become a really important race. Now, Smile Happy was the winner in uh, 2021. And, and, of course, one of the vanquished horses that was in the money was White Avario, who came back and won the Florida Derby. Smile Happy came back and was in the money in the Risen Star and the uh, Bluegrass. So, yeah, it's, it's just been a very, very nice race now for a number of years. And it used to get the billing as, you know, the, the race that would ha- feature a horse that was backed because they had good Churchill form. And it's more than that now. It's a, it's a very good end-of-season race that I think at least for 2022 into 2023 is looking awfully productive again. Let's back up and talk about Aqueduct on Saturday again and take a, a, a quick look at the, the rescheduled Queens County, just because law professor bet like he couldn't lose, made no mistake winning by seven and a half, comes back with a 98 buyer speed figure. What is your prediction? Do you think they'll forge ahead if they can get an invite to the Pegasus, which I imagine they can? Uh, do you think they would forge ahead with that? And how do you think he fits against a, a cyber knife, say? Yeah, I saw that murderer's row of horses lined up for it right now. I wouldn't be too scared. Obviously, Law Professor's got to run better than he did in the Breeders' Cup because, you know, Cyberknife beat him pretty comfortably that day. And I would imagine Cyberknife will be set for a very good effort to close out his career before he goes to stud. But I'll tell you, Pete, I mean, Law Professor looked pretty darn good on Saturday. I don't know if maybe it was being home in New York. Maybe he's a bit of an aqueduct lover, considering how well he had run in the Woodward. But, you know, it's, it's what you alluded to. They bet it like the race was over. Um, he, was, he was just never, never more than six to five or so he won very authoritatively he showed more speed than he had in recent starts which i thought was a really positive sign now admittedly trainer rob Atrus's barn is in a really good run right now 
But I don't think that that has any has as much to do with it. This is a really good horse that uh, that could have a really nice home in the handicap division this year. Which I mean, even even the most conservative person would say that the ranks are very thin in that division. So he could be a welcome addition. And uh, I thought that performance was rather compelling. Yeah, it's it's it, there's really a lot to be figured out, especially domestically with some of the big names that there are looking to be uh, appointed to the Middle East. There, there, there's going to be some, there's going to be some money around um, for, for a horse like that. If, uh, if he stays oh, yeah. in good form. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the new Orleans series, the Oakland handicap, you know, there's going to be no Taba in this country until probably Belmont day, if that. Yeah. So there's a lot of races between now and then uh, June that you can run and law professors probably horses. They're going to want to go longer than, you know, than a mile or so anyway. So yeah, I, I think they'll, they should have a shot at a really good run with him. And I wouldn't be too worried about bringing him back in three weeks in the Pegasus. I'd, uh, I'd certainly be willing to take a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it, it, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of prestige. I, I also wouldn't be shocked or terribly disappointed if the horse said gives them any reason to back off a little bit. I mean, a race like the Razorback, right? I mean, wouldn't he look pretty darn good? I mean, oh, yeah. he'd be super short in there. I would think um from from this far out i did want to chat you joked about ktdf i did want to joke though about another um another sponsor that but mainly just because i thought it was an interesting bet and i thought it was worth talking about and reflecting on the coast-to-coast wagers that debuted last weekend the saturday one performed very very well especially given it was a mandatory payout day and i kind of just wanted to vent i was just very frustrated in ultimately um leaving out uh, a horse in, in grazed my heart who it was one of those horses. I look back after and I'm just like, this is something it's, I, I can hear myself on the show making the case for the horse last time out closing into blue time form us fractions. And, you know, I had one a and one B and you know, how hard is it to throw in, how hard is it to throw in an extra B line on a runner like that? I, I felt like, I felt like I should have had it and I didn't. And I was, I was irritated by that, but I thought all things considered it, uh, it came off. Well, I did, as I mentioned on the coast to coast show with Jonathan, I was going to do, I did mention to the powers that be over there, like, Hey, it would be wonderful. You know, next time this comes up, if uh, you know, the race is nine and 11 at Gulfstream could be flipped. So you get the maiden in the first leg. So we can see the betting on some of the first time starters. And it ended up being particularly relevant in there. Cause you did have a 15 to one on the morning line, go off at nine to two that uh, the horse with the great Coolmore pedigree that we, that we talked about on the show who ended up running, uh, running second and surviving that narrow DQ. But I just thought this was funny. I think you'll appreciate this. Others that feedback was given by other people, some who maybe have been accused at points on this show of, of, of being basement dwellers. And rather than my uh, constructive way of, of putting it, apparently uh, one of the higher ups at first was, was told he was an incompetent idiot. So, um, so, so, you know, you can choose which communication style you like better, which one you, which one you think is maybe a little bit more likely to, to be productive. The, 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 Hey, maybe you'd want to think about this. I'd love to, if you ever need help, I'd love to, you know, uh, offer my services or, or just to call people names, you know, you pick. Standing on a mountain and telling everybody how smart you are is always uh... <laughs> A tough exercise it has to get exhausting at some point but um, you know it's it's the it's the fig jam approach and everybody can figure out what i'm referring to <laughs> you know if you're that good at everything then you know yeah, hey nobody will have to ask you but yeah i mean it would obviously it would be nice to see those races be uh, a little bit more open and clear in the sequence itself i think the wager's fun 
I think what dogged it a little bit on Sunday, Pete, honestly, is I don't really think that many people realized it was going to be both Saturday and Sunday. And um, Sunday was a slow handle day nationwide. But um, I think as people realize this is a weekly thing, a, a basically two times a week thing, uh, we'll see a lot more of it as, as, uh, as we move forward. But then it would be advantageous for customers, obviously, again, to see the pools themselves. Fun bet. I mean, I'm in for any new bets with a low takeout and an interesting, uh, an interesting set of circumstances with good racing. And, you know, those are two of the signals that are being paid attention to the most. I mean, they, they are the two biggest handling signals going in the country right now. So um, I don't blame the first group for wanting to, to do something that can combine a little bit of it. And, uh, and so I look forward to it. I did bet it both days. I'm 0 for 2 so far as far as cashing, but um, I got a live, uh, uh, or I didn't get a live. I missed the fourth leg on Saturday and the fourth leg on Sunday, but you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and I was a somewhat regular Tronic 5 player, uh, but admittedly, this will be a little more interesting, a little more approachable being simply from two tracks that I'm paying a lot more attention to. Yeah, I think that's what has a lot of people excited. Maybe a lesson from Sunday was it, it started pretty darn early. So that first it did start early, yeah. You know, yeah. I think it might help to have that first race, you know, three thirty or later in the. In, I think there was like a two ten race. That's that's tricky, and that that probably helps. You know, even the marketing you can do on that day is is useful. And I wonder, you know, I held back our Sunday pod and dropped it. Saturday, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe we need to get that Sunday pot out just so at least our people know about it, you know, earlier too. That that that's a good that's a good point. Just to, at, at least until the pattern gets uh, gets established. But yeah, looking at the listening numbers, I mean, obviously the Saturday show is going to be listened to a lot more. But it was like even more stark than you know what we used to do with the Gulfstream shows. Anyway, people don't care about how the sausage is made here at In the Money Media, but it's a good it's a good point that you make. Anything else you saw this weekend or a burning in your mind that you want to chat about on this show, Nick? Uh, Eclipse Award uh, thoughts? Anything like that? Nothing too significant on that. Um, looked like everybody had the finalists that you and Jay and I anticipated uh, talking about it a few weeks ago. So it's nice to see everybody casting their ballots. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of harmony on uh, some of the same, same divisions. Uh, but it'll be nice to see everybody crowned later in the month. So, no, not terribly much. You know, it was a good, uh, good weekend of racing. And things start to pick up steam a little bit headed towards that last week in January with the Pegasus. The one that keeps coming back to me, like I wake up in the night and I think maybe I should have put in Italian ahead of uh, of Regal Glory. I keep I keep going back and forth on that. That to me was that the head scratcher of all of them. No wrong answer there. So you know, <laughs> no. I've also seen a lot of Cody's wish for Sprinter support. And, yeah, I, you know, as I said on the show with Jay, I just like I, I just, like definitionally, I just can't do it. Not when his definitive win was around two turns. It's yeah. just not. I just can't make that horse the sprint winner. You know, I, I'd have been more inclined to give him a, a third vote as the, as the champion older male. Um, but I, you know, a forego, yeah, a four go at six at seven furlongs and the dirt mile. That's just not enough for me. So, and, and I'm a big Cody's wish fan. I've been a oh. Cody's wish fan since his debut, since I cursed about missing my exact in the, the Belmont contest there where I had him underneath Mahamal. And, you know, <laughs> little did we realize at that point that Mahamal was going to go on to be a claimer and, Cody's wish was going to be an Eclipse finalist. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And media awards wise, it was, you know, it seems that, you know, we, we weren't up there uh, this year, but a great assortment of talent, you know, NBC getting rewarded for their 
consistently excellent work. Going to try to reach out and see if we can get uh, maybe Randy Moss and Jerry Bailey as part of our Pegasus coverage in a few weeks. That that would be very fun. And Tom Law, who always does such a good job seeing him uh, get rewarded. The HRN team for their Breeders' Cup coverage. Lots of lots of good stuff. If you haven't read about the media finalists, uh, the media award winners, it's worth going and, and checking that out. Lots of good stuff. Though I still, I'll feel a lot better. My, my award, the award we won last year, will be worth more when Steve Bick gets hits. I'm not sure what we need to do to make that happen. Um, but it, it's, it's certainly overdue. It is. And, and, you know, Steve's got a great relationship with the powers of B. So I was kind of hoping he'd get there, but one of these years, you know, it's a, Steve's a credit to the industry and the work that he does year in and year out is great. And I hope that it, it is duly recognized soon enough because, uh, I don't, I can't think of anybody out there who's more deserving. Oh, he does so much for, for players. And as we always say on this show, there's no faster way to become, a, to become an insider than listening to his shows, the relationship Absolutely. he has with people and just, you know, well, how much content do we provide a week? And then look at, you know, look at him out there producing, you know, basically producing 15 hours or more himself. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's got to be a lifetime achievement award. If just for some reason, his particular style of broadcasting doesn't fit into what the judges are looking for or whatever, but something needs to give there. Um, and, and hopefully sooner, sooner rather than later, that would be my only, my only criticism as far as the stuff we saw nominated there. I agree. Yeah. Let's hope he'll have to settle for an Eagle Super Bowl issue. <laughs> oh my God. They didn't look so hot on Sunday. I'll tell you that much, but well, yeah. it, you, I, I don't think they were taking it all that when you have a quarterback who's only playing half speed, I suppose you have a, right. um, we'll talk more NFL. We'll talk more horse racing. Um, as the week goes on, Nick, we're going to have you back soon. We're going to wrap the YouTube video. If you're listening to the podcast, we've got a, a special guest who will be coming up right now. Play the first Coast to Coast Pick 5, featuring a sequence from Gulfstream Park in Florida and Santa Anita Park in California every Saturday and Sunday. Both the $1 minimum and 15% takeout are very player-friendly. Players can bet on track or online, usually listed as a separate track in your ADW. Just look for Coast to Coast Pick 5 in the drop-down. If you play on First Bet or Express Bet, you can get a free $10 bet on the Coast to Coast Pick 5 on select days to participate. Do not forget to register for the promotion. Get the Pick 5 sequence, expert analysis, free pass performances, and more at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash coast and be sure to check the podcast we'll be doing every saturday and sunday for this new special bet that url once again in the money slash coast next up on the show we bring in a returning guest a frequent visitor we love having her here on these airwaves she is uh, the director of giving at the thoroughbred retirement foundation she's also the first lady of the in the money players podcast she's kim weir kim what's going on Happy New Year, my friend. It is great to be with you to kick off this year ahead. So we did a little bit of recapping last year, but I always like to start the year with a little bit of looking back before we look forward. How do we do in the end? Oh my gosh. Team ITM rocked it. That is how we did it. We hit the board in a big way. 20000 dollars raised over the course of 2022. That is taking care of, all right, math friend, do the math quickly. How many horses is that at $2,500 a piece? That's a lot um, of horses. 
horses. It's a lot of horses. You got your own little herd. Um, and they're a happy herd. Thanks to each and every one of your listeners who gave in like a whole bunch of different ways. That includes things like the wonderful horse players happy hour, um, the donations that come through that, and then the whiskey and so many fun things throughout the year. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, the horses eat money for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you all raised, and you, my friend, the ambassador, herd leader in chief, you raised a good sum. It was a good payday for the horses. And it was a year-long um, journey that was a lot of fun. I always like to say that you and I are pretty good at having fun and doing good at the same time. And I think that's what I'd say about 2022. I like the sound of that. Yeah, at least eight horses there where we're helping take care of. And then, hey, I know we've had some knock-on effects as well, getting other people as regulars donating into other buckets at the at the TRF as well. We look forward for more great work um, in 2023, helping uh, humans and horses through your, your second chances program at all. But I also know you've got a major initiative coming up because this is sort of a significant year in the history of the TRF. It is a big deal. It is. If we think about the fact that many of us, um, we remember our 40th birthday. Um, some folks listening may have celebrated a 40th anniversary. Uh, and indeed, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation has turned 40, 40, 40 years old as of the ringing in 2023. So it is an anniversary year for us. It's actually, um, for those who who would like this little fun fact, um, if you are celebrating an anniversary, the 40th is actually the Ruby anniversary. Um, In that um, homage, we are in fact, uh, we've launched a new logo that we will use for the next two years actually, and it is celebrating 40 years. Um, So you'll see that soon rolling out on all of our communication. Um, And it's a year to say thank you. It is really what I think our year will be all about. We will we will gather and we will raise money to be sure, but each and every moment of gathering and celebration will be in thanks for who and how we made it this far, taking care of horses and giving them lifelong sanctuary when their racing careers are over. It's it's frankly humbling to think how many people have been involved in 40 years of, of this organization. So yeah, we are we're excited. It's a lot. Um, and there will be much, muchly, much to talk about over the years, the weeks ahead, days ahead about what we're doing to celebrate it. I guess I'd say overall, our plan is to find ways that you know your listeners and our followers and our supporters all over the country, that each and every one of them should have a way to participate in the 40th anniversary, you know, we, which means we will be doing things in Kentucky. We will be doing things in Florida. We will be doing things in California, certainly here in New York um, and even Maryland. So everywhere we are, we will find ways for folks to celebrate and and say thanks and and then to look ahead to the year, the year and years ahead. It's just a really exciting thing to be a part of. We will make sure to have you back on regularly to update us about where we can get involved. Another great place to go for information and a terrific portal for giving, trfinc.org slash players, our website. Is there anything on the calendar now or anything else uh, newsy in, as far as ways people can help that we should let them know about uh, on today's appearance? Yeah, yeah, I think, so. Uh, yes, I will always say yes. Um, and I will tell you that... Um, uh, it sort of segues into where I'm sitting today. I was expecting you might hear a dog or two bark in the background um, because I think we 
it sounds like a big leap, but it is because our first thing that we're going to be doing a press release about next week, but your listeners are hearing it here first, is the launch of a really cool new partnership with a local company here in Saratoga called the Lazy Dog Cookie Company. Sure. Um, many of your dog owning listeners, including, I don't know whether Muggsy is a, is a, a likes the Lazy Dog Cookies. Oh. I wish. She's a fan. She's within earshot actually today, Muggsy and Captain Labrador. I'm actually I'm doing this part of the show upstairs, so her her ears were twitching as she oh good on the dog bed beside me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm glad that Muggsy is wishes, and this this company is such a great company. They make wonderful products for dogs, but they have um, been inspired and through a whole journey of of creating a new new product. It's actually a new product line for them altogether. And it's called the Horse Bit Skits, which is hard to say, but cute in, <laughs> when it's all written down, Bit Skits. And um, these are horse treats. These are, these are designed for horses and they are going to be giving a percent of the proceeds, a percent of profits, 15% and upwards to the TRF with every bag sold. So um, in the spirit of something I could put on your website, today so that it's there for your listeners is actually these are available for purchase as we speak. You can buy them right through the Lazy Dog website. And by the time we get the press release out next week, they will be available in lots of Saratoga retailers like Benson's and Impressions and Cheshire Horse. And soon they will be on Chewy and all the other major national distribution. So it's the the treats exist. I've really got, I thought I'd do a sound effect. So this is the sound of a bag of horse I treats. I love it. Delicious. Uh, they are delicious. You know, they they do. I have to tell you, they actually sound like something that I would eat. It's barley, oats, <laughs> alfalfa, dried cherries, vanilla, and ground peppermint leaves. I mean, it's like I put that on my yogurt every morning, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Put the link on trfinc.org/slash players, and folks can look for it and look uh, look to support it for sure. I think that's yeah. an absolutely great idea. Yeah. And, one other thing I wanted you to do while you're on the show here today, Kim, you've had in the past some inspiring stories of things, uh, in particular our listeners, but just horse racing fans, handicappers, uh, contest players have come up with lots of creative ideas to support TRF. And if you have any of those at the ready, I, we, I love to hear those for inspiration. Well, I love telling them. And my favorite little slogan among my many is to celebrate and inspire um, because it happens over and over again. And you are the, you know, the chief of that, my friend, with what you've done with this podcast. So to celebrate and inspire, I have two friends I want to give a big shout out to, and they'll love hearing their name on the air. <laughs> um, one is a fabulous uh, friend. His name is Steve Moskowitz. And so Steve, if you're listening, I'm bragging about you, my friend. He's down in uh, Delray this time of year, and he's at Gulfstream regularly, but he's also um, a, a very frequenter of Saratoga. And Steve is, um, by by training and uh, by profession, he's an accountant. And probably you have lots of accountants because numbers people really like handicapping, <laughs> right? So no doubt. Um, he's he's that kind of guy. He's an accountant brain. He's a numbers guy. He loves to play the horses and play the, the, the odds. And so what he decided to do, he, he's been with us now, um, is a member of the herd for over a year. He met us at our barbecue in 2021 and fell in love with the mission. So he, this Christmas, end of the year season, wrote a letter of his own volition to all of his clients, all of his CPA clients, and just said, at this time of year, I want to share an opportunity, something that I believe in passionately. I love horse racing. I've been going since my dad took me to the track as a young boy. And this sport is a, one that I love but I love these two organizations. And he mentioned both the TRF and the West Point um, uh, King Kanji Fund. And he said, these two charities mean a lot to me because they take care of the horses when their careers are over. 
And then he said, as your tax advisor, I'm just telling you, if you need one more deduction and I recommend you do these things, give an end of the year gift to one of these charities with my thanks. Um, this friend of ours raised over $15,000 with one email to, and created some new donor relationships that I'll get to meet with when I, you know, I'm around and about. And it was just, it was amazing. And he had so much fun doing it. I saw him at our holiday party here in Saratoga and he was, he's very competitive, like many of your horse player friends. And he's like, oh yeah, I think, thanks folks are going to come through. I think we're really going to help the horses. And sure enough, he did. And he's so proud and his donors have been lovely. And this is people that I never would have met. Our horses never would have been in front of these folks were it not for a great ambassador like Steve. So I, I can't say enough about him. I think he's taken a page from the Pete Fornatal playbook. Um, and I'm so grateful. And I hope that my great gratitude to him, my celebration of him as a hero for the horses, who knows, that might just slip into somebody's brain who's listening right now and say, huh. We've seen it. We've seen it before. And we've also seen some good stuff along the lines of I won and so did they for yeah. our Santa Anita opening day show when we had uh, Chappie, Jeff Chapman. Oh, yay. Son, and they just gave out nothing but winners. And we had a few people score out. And I know we had some donations coming through that trfinc.org slash players link. And I should mention that T-shirt is still available, by the way. The one that yeah. we did with, with Old Smoke. I can't yeah. remember if you can find, can you still find that through the trfinc.org slash players link? Or do folks have to go to the Old Smoke? No, I'll, I'll, I think it's just sort of towards the bottom. And why don't I get to reshuffle your page a little bit? We, I think it's very timely to push that back up to the top. I was just on the phone with Kurt Rossner earlier this week because I will tell you, we are doing some new gear with them for the TRF with our new logo and the 40 year celebration. So absolutely timely to say, let's let's sell a few more of those I, I won and so did they t-shirts for sure. I'll put that on your page, Pete, no doubt. Please do. I'm hoping with you know the, the shows we have coming up, we're, we're looking to make some scores. And if people can join us for the ride, uh, or, or, or heck, it doesn't have to be something that you heard from our show. Anytime you feel like giving something back, I mean, you know what how near and dear this cause is to both of us here. I don't know if you can hear that construction outside my window here. I apologize if that's uh, getting loud for you there, Kim and the listeners. Yeah, I don't hear it. I think you're fine. Um, but it's really great to have these ways where people can do something they want to do and feel good about it. And along the way, they're really making a meaningful impact. And I just want to throw out one more great name of a, of a new friend of mine, another, another friend of the herd, um, Mike Amendola, who's just a lovely guy. And I've met him through about the most difficult phase of his his life, which is when he lost his dad at the end of last year. And he was inspired to reach out. He was actually pointed our way by jockey David Cohen, which really made me happy. So another hero for the horses. And he, and Mike asked if we could um, be the, the benef beneficiary for any gifts in memory and in honor of his dad. And what a, what a, what an honor that is to, to be a part of someone's celebration. Um, his dad, Robert was a huge horse racing fan and, um, and we were really grateful to Mike for, and his family for deciding to, to reach out to us. And so I think that gave them some comfort and gosh, it gave us a great deal of a gratitude. Um, so these things are amazing what people think of. Um, and we're, and you, and who knows what lays, lies ahead for you and me, Pete, there may be more of these fun ideas to talk about over the days ahead. We always encourage people to be creative. Robert Amendola, big owner for a long, long time. And uh, what a nice tribute. It reminds me, of course, of what our own Nick Tamaro, who was on the show earlier, did uh, for, for his dad last year when he passed away. Uh, Kim, if folks have questions and want to reach out to you about uh, your work or, or any questions on the giving side, what's the best way to get in touch with you? 
I am. I feel like I feel like a little dinosaur here. Sorry, but I'm going to say please email me. Um, it's easiest for me, and it's an easy email. It's uh, Kim K I M at our website trfinc.org, and I am pride myself on quick responses. And so you can kick me if I don't respond quickly. And any <laughs> question is a good chest, especially if they say they're friends of Pete or friends of the podcast. Those are my favorite emails to answer. Well, email is fine. When you said dinosaur, I thought you were going to bust out a fax machine or something. <laughs> I, I, I can tell some mad fax stories of my past, but no, 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 no. Just email if you don't mind. That works for me. <laughs> oh Great stuff, Kim. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you back on soon. That email, or the, excuse me, the web address once again, trfinc.org slash players. Kim, we will be talking soon. Thank you, Pete. Take care. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank Kim Weir and Nick Tamara one more time, our founding partners. You heard a lot about them on this show, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, also 10 Strike Racing. Around here, we always love to root for the purple and black. And if you haven't checked out Marshall Graham's interview series of podcasts, what are you doing? They're so good. You can go and check them out. We're going to give them a web home right now. They're just in the podcast feeds, but soon they're going to be over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. We'll be tweeting that link out as well. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, the viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs> <laughs>